0: Mud Stories, episode 62.
1: Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again.
2: And at this point, it was all at work it was nothing personal. But at that time, I said, here, here's my email. Email me this weekend. That was a total open door to a bunch of mess. And yes, that's what I told myself. We're just talking. We're just having conversations. But I mean, I say nothing was happening. There was a lot happening in my mind because, you know, then you start having, you know, thoughts like, well, you know, if he notices me now, like what if I had never, you know, met my husband? What if you know, I shouldn't have gotten married so early and I really should have waited to meet this guy. I mean, it was, it was really going down that kind of path. I think I told myself at the time that because
0: it was just in my head, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments. Hope to make it through your mud an encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I am so glad you're here and very excited to share with you this podcast episode. And so I hope you have your seatbelt on and you are ready to go because I will say I am currently sitting in my kid's middle school parking lot in my car recording this episode for you. I am just keeping it real. this is how I roll. And so, you know, we have crazy busy lives, right? And a little bit of a commute to my kid's school. And so here I am recording this episode for you. And so I'm so glad you're here. So this month on my blog, we are exploring and I'm committed to writing 31 days of what I learned and what you should know before an affair. And if you've missed some of what we've been talking about over on the blog, I would love to invite you to Come on over there and share with us your thoughts, your insights, uh, the discussion that's happening. You can read those posts if you've missed them at jackiewatkins.com forward slash before an affair. And the introductory episode was last week's podcast, and you can get there by going to jackiewatkins.com forward slash forward slash episode 61. And so uh, just want to extend an invitation to you to catch up and, and explore with us this month, this topic that I'm so passionate about, because of where I've been, and because of the emails that I receive, I know this is a need. And so it's my commitment to you to continue talking about this, even as risky and scary and vulnerable and messy as it is. And today, uh, we are starting off this month of podcast episodes with a very um, poignant and special guest. Her name is Amy J. Bennett, and I am so thankful she's here. She is a working mom of three, married for 17 years to her husband, Scott, and they reside together in South Carolina. Amy is a writer, a speaker, and she's also a podcaster, and she's going to share with us all about her podcast in this episode. Um, So I hope you check that out. But she is a blogging friend of mine. And when I thought about you know, what podcast episodes could I bring to you this month? Who could I have as guests on the show? Amy was one of the first people that came to my mind. In this episode, she's really going to take us into what it means to become entangled. She's written an ebook entitled Entangled Recognizing Your Emotional Affair and Restoring Your Marriage. So if you have long since given up on the fairy tale of your marriage, if you're wondering if your husband wasn't your soulmate after all, maybe you've found someone in your life whom you're emotionally connecting with and it's starting to scare you, or you wonder even what an emotional affair is or if it even matters – Or maybe your marriage is in a really good place and you want to keep it that way. I think this episode is going to be really helpful to all of us to begin to talk about this topic, to explore what it means to feed discontentment in our minds, what our thought lives are doing, how we're comparing our relationships to maybe the relationships of others or to an ideal of what we esteem it to be. I'm just so thankful for Amy for being here, for being transparent and telling her story and for helping us along the way, grow and enrich our marriages in ways that maybe we would have neglected had we not heard her story. And so without further delay, it is my delight to present to you my conversation with Amy J. Bennett. Enjoy. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. Oh, thank you, Jackie, so much for having me. Well, this has been a long time in coming. I have known about your story and all your endeavors and what you do. We're longtime blogging friends. And I'm so glad that this is finally lining up that we can get together and you can share what you've been through and what God's done in your life. It's going to be so good. Yes. And I am just a huge fan of this podcast.
2: Uh, You were really a inspiration for me starting my own so it's just
0: I don't know it's just so much fun to actually be on the podcast now oh thank you I know um you have a podcast called feathers right Yes, Feathers, Faith, and Flight. Mm -hmm. Feathers, Faith, and Flight. I know there's not a whole lot of female Christian podcasters out there. And so when you first contacted me and told me that you had a passion for podcasting, I couldn't have been more excited to cheer you on and what you're doing and your endeavors and your podcast. Tell everybody a little bit about your family and where you live, what you love, and tell us a little bit about your podcast, too. Okay, Um,
2: Yeah. So I have been married to my husband, Scott, now for 17 years. Yes, we were like five when we got married. (laughs) Um, But we have two girls, Emma and Lexi, that are um, 12 and 10, just getting ready in the next couple of weeks to be 11 and 13. And then our family adopted our son, Jacob, um, who is now 10 years old. We just adopted him from DSS last fall. So that's been kind of a new development with our family. Okay. So that's been almost a year. Yes, it's yeah. been August. Oh, gosh. August 7th was a year since he came to live with us. Mm. So it's been a rocky year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really feel like we've, we've come out of the, the really hard places and um, really starting to gel as a family. So. It's an
0: adjustment adoption. I have a very close friend who's adopted uh, three children and they each came to their family in different ways. Two of them were safe surrender babies, actually. Wow. which was pretty i guess incredible statistically because there's it's kind of hard to get a safe surrender baby but i remember going to the hospital with her and picking up that baby she got a call and like that day we went to the hospital and picked up a baby it was wow crazy but um adoptive kids coming to our families is such a beautiful thing but totally but a challenge right it was so
2: so much of a challenge and it it really wasn't him <laughs> really a lot of it was my junk trying to, and it just, because of the stress, all of my junk just really surfaced. And I just had to work through a lot of stuff. And actually that's how my podcast, um, was birthed was out of this journey that I went through and, um, God began to, I I mean, I was just really at the beginning wrestling. Like, I I mean, I told him like, I can't do this. Like I am not cut out for doing this. And which was a great thing to say to God, because that's where, (laughs) that's where he can use you. And, um, he began literally uh, – it was on a I, – I shared the story on the opening episode of my podcast, the whole thing. But the short version of Give us it, a bega- – yeah, give us a nutshell. Yeah, he began showing um, – basically showing up with like literal feathers in my path and gave me the verse, Psalm 91.4. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. And that really just began a time where I just – really began to lean and abide with God through all of this. And, um, I began finding feathers. And then the crazy thing is other people began, uh, finding them. Like uh, literal know. physical feathers, physical feathers. I mean, people, I've had people, a feather coming, like floating in the air inside their house. My sister-in-law found one inside her work building. My mom found one on the ground, right outside her car on her birthday, um, mm. We've had people, you know, mowing their lawn, just praying about a big change in their life. And they stepped off the the lawnmower and there was a feather on the ground. I mean, just like really amazing things. So, and this, this is all happening last fall. And the funny thing is it's a year later, it's the same time frame, And I haven't found hardly any feathers this year. So it wasn't like, you know, a time of the year or whatever. Right. I think it was just that certain season God really was trying to show up and say, I'm here, you know, I take refuge in me. And I think he had that message for a lot of other people and just really felt like, you know, the adoption was really an obedience thing um, and faith thing for us to do that. I mean, adoption was never in our plans, Uh, but God really began um, moving us, you know, five, six years ago to do that. And it was really a, a faith step for us. And, you know, just to see him show up in the way that he did, that's what gave me a passion to hear other people's story. God like specifically dropped in, you know, my heart to say podcast. And I didn't know what that podcast looked like at the beginning. But knowing our story and he just really put it in my mind, like, you know, you have an amazing story, but I have lots more stories like that to share. So every week I I interview somebody and we talk about where God called them to something maybe scary, crazy, just doesn't make sense. And then kind of how based on their obedience, how that how that worked out.
0: And how they found their own you know theoretical feathers along the way right their spiritual path of obedience yeah
2: yeah it's not it's not stories where people are finding like feathers literally um but but i do have i have run into other people that find other things like that like i know somebody who finds hearts Mm -hmm. Um, i
0: know somebody who finds the letter y
2: really Uh uh-huh yeah that's really cool, yeah, yeah. And I never would have pictured myself as somebody like that, like, oh, God speaks to me in feathers.' You're like, I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> those weirdo I things weird yeah. it does, but I you know, I am um very, very convinced that he was speaking to us and and used that season um to make himself known. so
0: it's a lot of fun. So fun. And people's stories, don't you find it's such a privilege to hold someone's story close and to hear their story? Because they are some of our most vulnerable things mm-hmm. that we share as far as spiritual things. I mean, you you listen to people talk about their spiritual journey and how they obeyed and dared to do something that God asked them to do. I talk to people about their deepest, darkest hardship and adversity and suffering and it really is a special place that people let us in to hear their stories. I feel so honored and, and privileged to be able to be let in. I do. I feel the exact same
2: way. I just sometimes I'm like, God, really me? Like you wanted me to be in the middle of this? And I do feel, um, I do feel so honored as well to be able to be in the middle of it.
0: Absolutely. Well, Amy, you have a mud story of your own, and this month I'm doing a series on my blog, Thirty One Days. What You Should Know Before an Affair. And when I considered who I wanted to share on the podcast this month, you were one of the first people I thought of. And I know that your story is one that um, you've lived through, recovered from, and are still probably wrestling through. And yet God has taught you a lot through it. And you've seen Him show up and do some amazing things in your life. And so would you take us back and Help us understand um, where your mud began and what it looked like along the way. Absolutely. So mine, it's. I know when we share these stories, it's
2: so hard to figure out where to start these things because right. really, it's everything ties together and, and you journey uh, into uh, this. But I would. I, I just want to introduce kind of how our um, my husband and I came together. We were very young. Um, I was only fifteen when I met my husband. Just getting ready to turn sixteen, he was. I was in tenth grade, which is really scary. As having a seventh grader to think that she I might know. meet her husband in tenth grade. Me too. My daughter's in seventh grade too. Crazy. Yeah. So it's it's kind of scary to think about. I I tell my husband, and he just like la. <laughs> puts your kinda fingers kinda in your ears, like, la 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 la. <laughs> yes, he, does, he can't even talk about it. Um, <laughs> But yes, yeah, so and we met very young. Um, he was—he's three years older than me. But I was—I felt very young. I was very young. But we were both very much. Um, both had been raised in Christian homes, and were very—I don't know how else to say—but like I was the good girl, and you know he didn't get in a lot of trouble. Like we weren't the kids, um, you know, going out and partying or anything. Like we're the ones, like through dating, like we did things with the youth group right? So, right. I can um, relate. yeah. So we were like church kids and we were like good kids. So we dated all through, I always say that he was my high school sweetheart, but I was not his because he graduated <laughs> like uh, a month after we started dating. So, I mean, we, we had two mutual friends that went on a date and they each, they wanted to do a double date, um, with him. And so they called me, which was, the female was my friend. And, um, I couldn't go that night, but he ended up, I couldn't go because they called me at like 9 o'clock at night. So the next day, he called me. And for that next week, we talked on the phone, which I know now that it was a huge deal for him because he hates talking on the phone. But we did talk on the phone for, oh gosh, hours probably that first week. And by that next week, we were like boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, at the time, that's what we were. Like, will (laughs) you go out with me? Will you be my girlfriend? Will you go Um, with me? (laughs) Exactly. That's what it was. Will you go with me? Will you go with me? Um, So we went. And it was as close to love at first sight as you could probably get, I mean, within, like I said, within a week of even meeting each other, we were seriously dating. And within a month, like I just knew he was the one. I don't know how I knew that at basically 16 years old, but just total head over heels um, with him. I spent all my time with him. uh, And we dated all through my high school years. And then uh, we ended up getting married between my sophomore and um, junior year of college. He Uh, Began work. He didn't go to college right out of high school, and I went to a local university. So I had lived at home for the two years I'd started college, and then we uh, were blessed enough to be able to get into a subsidized neighborhood where they help you um, build your first house. It was a very tiny house. It was probably only like, I think it was only 950 square feet, but we were able to pick out all of our stuff, you know, all the colors we wanted. And it really was like a little fairy tale. Um, We both moved from our parents' house. And into our first house together that we built So uh, very, I don't know Sounds very quintessential It really, it really was We got a lab Darling, it, perfect Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it honestly, it really was uh, It's not that we didn't have problems Like we fought over which way hangers should go in your closet But it was like little stuff <laughs> like that Oh, I had a, we've had a knockdown drag out About which spoon went in which <laughs> slot in the drawer
0: I'm laughing because we have all been there Oh, which yes. way the toilet paper goes, how you do the toothpaste, all the all normal ones. Yeah.
2: Yes. So we had that. But
0: I mean, overall,
2: uh, it was very good. I, the first two years I was still in college and it was so much work. Like, so a lot of my time was spent doing schoolwork and I worked part-time at an internship, but it, you know, we got through it and it was fine. And we graduated college and we got a pup, you know, a puppy, the, the kid practice. And because at this point we had been together like six years, we were ready to start a family right away. And it took 16 months, I think, for me to get pregnant. And um, and at the time, too, my husband was doing kind of not odd jobs, but he had always wanted to be a police officer and, you know, really regretted not going into the military right after high school and then going into police work. But um, he finally was that year that we had our first daughter in 2002, uh, was really applying at, at lots of different agencies to become. And then, that November, we had our first daughter, Emma, and he was the same month was accepted into the South Carolina Highway Patrol. So it was good and it was bad in that, you know, when you have a child, everything just your world turns kind of yes. upside down. And so I, we had a lot of trouble. Um, I was nursing and because I was like, you know. I'm a rule follower. So I was at that time, you know, breastfeeding was like the thing to do. And we didn't do very well, Emma and I, with nursing. But I pushed through to the point I would just cry and cry and cry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so much stress. And that probably was part of my problem. <laughs> I was stressing about it. But Well, um, we
0: tend to be perfectionistic with our first children. And we want to yes. be doing everything just right. And um, like anything, like any relationship, there is no right or wrong way. You just have to find your way with each individual, unique one. And breastfeeding babies is no different. I mean, a mom can have five different children and they each will eat differently. They'll sleep differently. They have different personality temperaments. But we don't realize that when it's the first one. I was going to say, yeah.
2: yes, but we don't realize that when we're a brand new mom. <laughs> right. Being, you know, we're very
0: self-condemning. Yes. yes. Um, Plus a lot yes. of change. I mean, he was on a new yes. adventure, right? A well, new endeavor. He was, well, that's the big thing that happened is that
2: the week that I went back to work. I work for a large bank. I'm a computer programmer. That same week that I went back after maternity leave, he left our police academy for five months (sighs) and he left during the week and didn't come home until the weekends. And I was, you know, my job was 35 miles away. So I was basically single parenting for this whole thing. I was nursing at night. I had nobody to help me at night. And so I was staying up. I had to get her ready in the morning by myself. You know, the the bag to get her to the sitters, all of that by myself. And at night, driving my daughter uh, all around to see grandparents. And they were very excited. We have both sets of grandparents um, in town with us. And so everybody wanted to see her. So I did a lot of driving around. And, I mean, I will say, you know, my family did help feeding us dinner. So I was driving around to actually get to eat. But it was just a very difficult season, those five months. Probably the most difficult, really, of our life. And you can imagine that that stranger marriage, because first of all, you're not able to connect right um, through that amount of time. And then when you are connected at the weekends, you're just rushing around um, and trying to make things work. So I think that really was starting us off on the wrong foot when our marriage sort of just started, I don't know, going south and having struggles. So when he got out of academy, we actually got moved to another county. We moved to Columbia, South Carolina, which is about an hour away from us now but we moved and at the time I started I was gonna leave my job um, because at the time in 2003 working from home wasn't really a thing. There was only yeah. maybe one person that I knew that did that. And, uh, but they did give me um, permission to work from home for a month while we were gone instead of quitting. Cause they needed me to complete a project. Um, so I did that and we moved away, uh, which actually was kind of a good thing because then he was home a lot more because of his schedule. We didn't have the family pressures, not that our family ever pressured us, but just, you know, like the logistics of getting around town and, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't having to get to the office. I was actually working right from my home. So it was actually a year where it was very good for us. But at the same time, I think this is where my husband struggles with OCD. We didn't know that at the time. But this is where things, I think, began to become a problem because I was home. And then we had a new baby that had a lot of stuff that was mm-hmm. at home. And that just caused a lot of really mess that a I lot had of chaos. a chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... I just have, you know, had a hard time keeping up with it all like around the house. And then we moved back um, as soon as his, he was required to do a year and we moved back home after the year. And then you have, you know, at this time I was pregnant with our second daughter when we moved home. So now I've got, you know, like an 18 month old and I'm pregnant and we're moving back home. That's a lot of change. And, yeah. And then when I, when I came back home, I, I kept working from home, which was such a blessing. I mean, I don't even know how I could have done it without that. But I kept working from home. But the thing is, I was the one caring for the kids. Um, so I was working and keeping care. Like two um, full-time jobs. Yes. yes. And, well, thankfully, my... I At the time, I was a contractor, so I only worked 30 hours a week. So that was nice. That's I, still
0: was, a lot. <laughs> but that's considered full-time work. That's right? 30, 30 hours. You can't dust <laughs> and do the dishwasher and grocery shop and all the things that run a household, especially with toddlers and newborns. Yeah.
2: Yes. A and lot. so we moved back that July, and then we had Lexi in that November. So at that point, the house was just <laughs> kind of in shambles, and I was too. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't like who I'd become. I mean, we had been now for you know, a year and a half, at least two years, really, through some of the most stressful things that you can go through, mm-hmm. you know, two kids, two moves, um, started working from home. I mean, Job and then, change. And the academies I'm sure, no joke. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And The thing is, I was trying to also maintain all the stuff I was doing at church. So on top of all that, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. working with the youth group and I'm singing in the choir and going to all those practices and being ridiculous, actually. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) why did I expect so much of myself to continue? I think we just are just so hard on ourselves in the certain seasons of life Mm -hmm. that we're in. And that's one lesson I just really wish I would have gotten at that time that, you know,
0: give yourself some grace in the seasons with your family and it sets us up for things that we'd never intended to be set up for.
2: Yes, and that's where and that's why I'm talking about this because I think it absolutely set me up. Um so I was becoming a version of myself that I really didn't like. Uh I was my husband at this time, like I said with the two kids, our house was a disaster. He would at the time like I said he didn't know that he had OCD, but he would just see just the smallest amount of mess and would just blow up. And his love language is um touch and so of course when he yells at me because my love language is words and he would say nasty things to me the last thing I wanted to do was touch him right right in, in any capacity yep. so then he would feel unloved because I wasn't touching him and then he would blow up. you know it was just one of those vicious, crazy cycle the crazy cycle from mm-hmm. love and respect that's yeah. right yeah so we would get in these crazy cycles and it was just you know we would see where we were messing up with each other and we'd apologize and we we'd get back on it and I just didn't like who I was becoming um, at this time. And like I said, the stress levels were, were very, very high. Um, but I decided, this was 2005, um, 10 years ago, I decided, even I think it was around that summer, that I was going to, I really wanted to change some things. And it, it, I had to start with me. And so I really started digging into scripture. And at the time, we also had a new um, Sunday school teacher. It was new to our church, I believe. And just, taught me how to actually get in scripture for myself. I had been a Christian since I was like seven years old, always like three times a week going to church, but never had really owned my faith, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. and really started doing that. Well, so I feel like during that time, uh, just really on a spiritual high. Also during that time, my daughter quit breastfeeding or nursing, and I started going to the gym because now I've had two kids. You know, we've moved. I want to get my body in good condition. So I started going to the gym and like, even that was going, I saw results, you know, very quickly. Uh, I never really exercised much at all in my life. Um, and was seeing, you're blessed, my friend. <laughs> so blessed. <laughs> I did get some good genes. I wish they would come back. <laughs>
0: um, so things yeah. were going well
2: in things those things going really well in those sense. But at the same time, um, I was beginning this friendship with a guy at work. And like I mentioned, I was working from home most of the time. So I would probably go into the office in Charlotte. I think at the time I was going like every two weeks, one day a week, maybe, you know, once a week. So I would see the people that I worked with. But mostly, most of my conversations were all on instant messenger, basically, and email. Okay. And I started um, working with a guy. Uh, we had been kind of on The same team, but not really working on the same projects. Um, But at that time, we began to work together more just because that's what our, you know, our jobs required. And we just found a really good camaraderie. And when I started, you know, working out that fall and all of that, he really actually began to notice. There were just some conversations that started, you know, for a long time it was just very friendly. Like we just Got well, a you lot. were working on a project together.
0: I mean, yes. just as any co-workers would be.
2: Right. Um But the then thing,
0: I'm guessing it took a turn.
2: Yes. And I think it's been 10 years, but yeah. I think really one big turning point was we had a conversation about how and we had worked together at the same place for like uh 5 years at least. And we had a conversation about him noticing me like that 5 years prior and I think he made some sort of comment about thinking I was pretty or, you know, wishing he had known me or something like that. And I was just like, what? Like, you noticed me? You know, and that Mm -hmm. to me was shocking. I had been in a relationship since I was 15 and married since I was – I had just turned 20. So any man's interest was cut off because I was taken. But here was this guy who noticed me – And I was an adult. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just never, I guess because I had, I had, I was in a relationship so early, I had never realized that people might think I'm actually pretty like I, you know, or attractive or, you know, whatever. And plus I had just had two kids, you know, too. And so he, I think that conversation probably started everything. Honestly, that was probably the the first personal.
0: Well, it probably cracked open uh, another room another arena that hadn't previously been opened and it it sounds like it awakened something in you that you didn't even realize needed to be awakened yeah well
2: and I was too was so I mean at the time because I was working out I was very you know conscious of how I looked at the time and just really desiring wanting to look good you know I think we all want to feel beautiful and um, look good but it really did feed, um, a desire that I had to be noticed and, and to look nice. And yeah. anyway, so that kind of progressed. So after that, I think that, you know, when I would go into the office, I would try to look like my best, you know, because at this time I was like losing weight and getting new clothes because my body was changing from, from having the kids. And then, you know, he would notice and then he would say, you know, you look nice today or, you know, like, whatever that was. Um, and so the whole just, you know, and I would compliment him like, you know, like, and it was like work stuff that I thought was, you know, I was just being
0: nice. Like you were thinking it was benign. It wasn't. Yeah. Like you were intentionally trying to pursue him.
2: Right. And I was just, yeah. I was just saying like you know, I think you're doing a great job. And you're and you're so analytical. <laughs> I, mean, like, <laughs> I don't know if I even I, would, I don't think I ever said that. But like, it was just a very like, it's not like I was like, oh, you're so cute. Like, it wasn't that kind of like right. Um But anyway, so our conversations kind of took a turn after that. And I and I think we just became sort of like best friends. I don't know if you've, you know, heard people say you're my office husband or office wife or whatever. It's just you kind of Gravitate for somebody, and that's the person you go to when you have work yeah. frustrations. You and, click. Yeah, you just click. And, you know, if we all, even when I would go out, um, go into the office, we all went out as a group to lunch. So we were having some of that time, you know, together, uh, even though it was in a group. And it was in December of 2005 when I was going to be, we go, we have some family that live in Maryland and Pennsylvania, and every uh, Christmas season we go visit them. And we were, we were headed there. And uh, we were leaving, and we had the conversation about how were we going to survive a couple days without each other. Like that's how close we had gotten. Like we just mm-hmm. didn't think we couldn't not talk for a couple days. And at this point, it was all at work. It was nothing personal. But at that time, I said, "Here, here's my email. Email me this weekend." That was a total open door to a bunch of mess, and.
0: And yet such a small thing. It's just an email. It's just your email. We're just talking. Yes. That's what I told myself. Uh We're just
2: talking. We're just just talking. Nothing's happening. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I say nothing was happening. There was a lot happening in my mind because.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about your thought life. What started happening?
2: Yeah. Because at this point, it was conversations in my head. And I think so much our culture feeds into this with um, movies and romance novels. And I hate to be like a prude about it, but it really did feed into this whole, like, what if scenario? Like, you know, I would, I would read a book and, you know, he might be the the main character. Like, what if, you know, we went to a snowy cabin, uh, in the mountains and what would that look like? And, you know, then you start having, you know, thoughts like, well, you know, if he notices me now, like, what if I had never, you know, met my husband? What if, You know, I shouldn't have gotten married so early and I really should have waited to meet this guy. I mean, Mm it was it was really going down that kind of path. So that weekend that I went, it actually was a snowy weekend in the mountains. And my imagination just went totally crazy. And it's really it's really I don't think I've ever even spoken the words out loud of of all the imaginations I had for that Mm -hmm. weekend between him and I. And it just was so in my mind. You know, Jesus says that um, if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And I really feel like that's when, you know, this was something serious. This wasn't just, um, I think I told myself at the time that because it was just in my head, I wasn't doing anything wrong. And I was talking, thinking of him. One time he asked me, I talk about this in my book, Entangled, but I think one time he asked me, how much do you think about me? And even with all that was going on in my life, I told him 90% of the time I was thinking about him. Hmm. That's an insane amount of time for somebody who's working and has two small children and a husband and is doing things in church. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, at this time, had you already— openly discussed with one another that you felt attracted to each other or, or had that conversation not happened yet? Um, cause that's a yeah. whole nother milestone step in, in the, yeah, the whole process we're talking here's about.
2: Here's the thing is that this all happens so very quickly. Right. Like after that weekend, I think that's when those kind of conversations mm-hmm. Like, I'm feeling this and, you know, I'm thinking about this about you. And we would have conversations like, this is probably inappropriate. Like, Yeah, but, like,
0: but don't we, you think the thoughts are what set you up? I mean, oh, you absolutely. chose, I mean, we choose what we think about, what we ruminate on, what we choose to see in our spouse or fail to see in them. I'm sure Scott had a lot of things that were really great characteristics, great things. I'm sure when you were away on that snowy weekend, he was actually showing up and trying to be yeah. a loving husband, you know, and you chose with your mind where to go in your thoughts. I mean, it is a choice. Oh, the absolutely. problem is it's one little teeny tiny choice added to another teeny tiny choice added to another, another, another. Pretty soon, you know, you're down a path way away from the main road that you never intended to be out in Never Never Land. You know,
2: and it goes so quickly, too. So
0: quickly, yeah. So all that to say, you don't have to have that direct conversation to travel way far away in your own mind. Yeah.
2: Yes. It happens way a lot. I mean, it's already half happened. Yeah. If it's happened in your head, you know, then all you have to do is
0: just speak it. It's like dousing a fire with gasoline and, and waiting to ignite it. Yeah. Yes. And um, so after that weekend, what happened? So after that weekend,
2: things just went way south because then I told him the things I was thinking about from that weekend. And, and we're feeding each other's, it was like a terrible cycle, mm. just feeding each other's ego, basically back and forth. And it got really bad until Christmas time. I mean, it had gotten to where um, it, it devolved into where we were having very inappropriate conversations through instant messenger. And I'll let you, you know, imagine what that might look like, but it was, it was super inappropriate. Was he married as well? No, he, he was not married and had never been married. Okay. Yeah. So, and I, this would happen. My, like I said, my husband at this point is a, um, state and he works, um, night schedules. He, he rotates, but he works night schedules sometimes. So I would get the kids to bed. He would be off working and late into the night we would talk. Mm. And that's another really bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking to the opposite sex that late at night. There's just something about the night that I don't know, sets you up for imagination and all kind of stuff. But, Um, Yeah, so we had conversations over instant message we absolutely should not have. Were you worried
0: they'd be discovered? Oh, all the
2: time. At this time, I was so – I – And I talk about this in my book, The Physical Reaction to This. I actually have a – I had a physical reaction to all of this. I was so stressed and so much anxiety that my heart was beating so fast all the time, partly because I was stressed that somebody was going to find out and partly because I was excited to talk to this guy. I I can so relate to
0: that. Yep. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep. That that exact same thing happened to me. I lost, like, 5 or 10 pounds um, during even just, like, this short amount of time. And, you know, I was kind of working out, so I think nobody – thought anything of it because i was going to a gym now right right but really it was because i couldn't hardly eat you had a lack of appetite yeah i did i was so anxious that i couldn't hardly eat and Mm -hmm. um yeah so i did have a a physical reaction to this and i don't know what happened but it was right before christmas and my husband will tell the story that for whatever reason he felt like he should check my email so we did you know we, we were always very open for me like um We were always very open with this. I mean, you know, I wasn't trying to,
0: I don't know. It's not like you changed your passwords and were being elusive or right. you were just hoping, were you just hoping he wouldn't check?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was just because we had such an innocent trust with each other. I mean, because we had just never had any problems and it was just, just this innocent trust that we had and we didn't need to check each other's stuff. So I thought, but yeah, so I just never thought that he would get into it i guess my concern was always that you know i was doing it being caught typing to him in the moment Mm. like he'd walk around and see my screen like what is that Mm
1: -hmm. um
2: or see a text or something um the texting was a thing but anyway so there wasn't anything in my email that was questionable uh but it was kind of he said it was very weird that somebody another male was talking to me so maybe
0: even at that time of day
2: right so he had checked my email and one day we were in our bedroom and he said is there something going on with this guy that i should know about Mm. and in that moment like i had tried during this whole time not to lie to scott because i knew like thou shalt not lie you know i'm a good girl i don't lie right so i had never outright lied to scott and like i think about the times that we went out there were times that um, this guy and I went out to lunch on our own during this time. That was another thing that changed that we had gone out by ourselves mm-hmm. um, when I had gone into work. And like if Scott would ask me, what'd you do for lunch? I would say we went out to Chili's for lunch. Right. But Wasn't I not a lie of omission. Say, <laughs> right. Right. But I wouldn't say, oh, and it was with this guy and oh, it was really, you know, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and oh, we were alone.
0: Nobody else was along. Right. Right. Yeah. So Misleading. You, yeah
2: very, very misleading. And that day when he asked me, is there anything going on that I should know about? There was no way I could skirt that. And I just had to say, yes, there is. And I just, I just busted out crying. And I told him some of the things at that time, I didn't reveal everything because I was still trying to protect myself Mm -hmm. and protect that relationship because it had meant so much to me. Um, Because this guy at this point was really like, you know, in my head, I was thinking maybe I had missed the boat with my husband. Um, but at the same time, like I
0: still loved my husband. I still wanted to be married to my husband. It was just a very weird thing. Well, and that's a crazy misnomer too because I think a lot of us think we can only be in love with one person at a time. And I think it's really important to realize that you can love more than one person. Right, I really agree. Genuinely, and and not be like a monster. It's really hard to understand unless you've been put in that position, but it's so important to be aware that It can happen because I'm sure you never set out to, oh, yeah, I'm not happy with Scott. I'm going to go talk to somebody else and see what I can stir up. I mean, that is so not how these things happen. They catch us by surprise.
2: No, and I... We had problems, and that's why I said that. And I think there were some gaps in our relationship, but absolutely not. Wow. Did not ever want to leave my husband. Right. I loved my husband, and um, so he got, of course, very mad, that conversation. Mm-hmm. But we knew we wanted to stay together, so I had to write this guy a letter to basically just say, um, Scott found out. Our conversations have to change. You know, they can't be like what they were. I'm choosing my marriage. That's what I told him. I'm choosing my marriage. Mm. And it wasn't really even a, it wasn't ever really a question for me, you know, like which one am I going to pick? You know, it was, it was like, I had got, I had just gotten myself way down deep into a hole so quickly
0: that I didn't even realize it was there. Um, But I think you shouldn't underestimate the power of your choice right there because you had a very pivotal crossroad. mm -hmm. He asked you a direct question. And you did have two choices. You you said yes, but you could have just as easily chosen to say no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I think I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this later when you give us some tips and advice on uh, if people are facing this. But you know that is a crossroad that I chose poorly at, and mm-hmm. it can go very differently depending on what we choose.
2: Yeah, and I really think I mean that was just God's grace to move my husband to ask that question, because honestly, I don't know where it would have went because I was not stopping the train anytime soon. I mean, I was voluntarily. Yeah. Voluntarily. I was under heavy conviction from the Holy Spirit. I knew what I was doing wrong. We would talk about how we had crossed lines that we shouldn't have. I mean, I knew I was doing wrong, but it was so addictive that
0: I don't know if I could have stopped it on my own. So well, it feeds our ego. It makes us feel loved and appreciated and noticed. And it's you know, there's a new high to new relationships. That phase, I think, there's even uh, you know, neurophysiology related to chemicals in our brain. uh, The the high of new attraction, you know, and it's not a joke. It's it's real. It's a real thing. Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely is. So that
2: um that really was a turning point. Like you said, that was a turning mm-hmm. point. So but you wrote a letter. How did you choose to handle it going forward? So we had to work together still. We were still on the same team. I had to talk to him. So I actually, I actually put a sticky note on my computer at work and it said, KIC, keep it clean. That was my goal was to keep our conversations clean. Like I just had to be a, be platonic with him. We could talk, but it had to be, you know, and we both at the time we wanted to be friends, but we never really meant for it to, like, go bad. Um, so we, we both tried. Um, but I have to tell you that uh, we totally failed. We hmm. totally failed over and over again. And every single time, at this point, though, I, I quit trying to hide it. And every single time the conversation went away, it should not have, I would have to go to my husband. And I would always say, we have something we need to talk about. And that was always his clue, like she here we go again, um and i we would sit in this in our bedroom, and I would tell him what happened, and I would have to ask for forgiveness, and oh my gosh, thank the Lord, he forgave me over and over and over again. he was just so um he was just so patient with me through this whole process, and it really took a very, very long time for those things and habits to change, and really. the things were going on had kind of stopped, but my thought process had to change too. And that Mm. was probably harder because I had an emotional connection. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a virtual relationship. It was, it ended up being real feelings and changing my thought patterns was, was very difficult. Very. And it took
0: a, a very, very long time. And honestly, what made um, you want to keep saying your confessions to your husband? I mean, it could have easily just been you just didn't choose to admit it that day.
2: I just really felt like that's where, because I really dug into um, scripture after this and it was very weird. I was I was back onto that, you know, that spiritual quest and, and getting in scripture and, you know, I would read David's Psalms and, you know, how he just lamented over his sin and, I just tried, I was just trying to follow God's ways and I knew God's ways because I'd been a Christian, you know, at this time for like 20 years. Like I knew the best thing for me to do was confess it and ask for forgiveness. It was the only way that true change happens is that we just go to the people we offend. We go to God who we've offended and confess our sin and ask for forgiveness. I mean, even if it takes, you know, he tells us to forgive 77 times. I think my husband probably Mm. did 777 times. Um, well and
0: secrecy fuels the flame so it's yeah so important to speak it out loud but and it eventually got to the point where i hated having to
2: tell him that so much that i quit doing it because it wasn't worth it mm. because i knew i had held myself accountable so much to being honest with him and working on my marriage that i ne- that i quit doing it cuz i didn't i didn't want to have to say that but true i mean emotionally mentally you know things change kind of physically in that world as in like our conversations got cleaned up but mentally and emotionally I don't think that it really really ended until this guy got moved to a different apartment and I just didn't see him anymore that I didn't have a reason to have to talk to him and
0: thank God <laughs> that is so key that you say that because it's so addictive the interact the thought life The thought life is so hard. It's almost like you have to drive in a different thought to replace it. You can't just stop. I don't know if you can speak to thoughts a little bit and how you overcame that.
2: Yes, and I think... It was just such a struggle. I don't know if I have anything to say because it was just such a struggle for me. And really, it wasn't until he was not in my life anymore and that I, he wasn't coming to my thoughts because, he, you know, I wasn't having a conversation or anything with him and I wasn't seeing him anymore until that really stopped. But, I mean, I do know that, you know, I, I really had to concentrate on the positive aspects of my husband. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, instead of picking at the things that weren't going well to talk about all the good things, because there were so many good things and there are so many good things about mm-hmm. my husband. And to really concentrate on that, like I said, I, would, I really dug into scripture at that time and ju- just really let that, um, you know, soak into my thought life. And in my book, I there's, I actually have a whole section of all the scripture that was from my book, just because all of that meant so much to me at the time. And yeah. I think that's really the only thing that can change our thought life is God's mm-hmm.
0: word. Yeah. I think you're right. And something drastic changing, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So as you as you began to heal and recover and and he moved away and there was no reason to interact. How long of a time frame are we talking about from the time you tried to start to keep it clean till the time there was this drastic change? I think it might have been like three or four years. Okay, so we're not talking about a two-month period of time. I, that's the important no, part. I want to have you well, highlight. Things, this is a process.
2: This is so it was such a process. Um, and this is what I tell people though that email me now, and I say cut it off. Like you cannot talk to that person anymore because a lot of people, you know, they don't have to work with the person. You know, it might be somebody they met online. A lot of times, it's a high school boyfriend that comes back in their life through Facebook, something mm-hmm. like that. And I just say, you know, don't even go there. Just cut it off. Cut it off. That's the only way, um, that's the only way to do it in my mind. It's because it does become a process and well, like we are weak creatures and it is, it's so difficult. You know, God tells us to to run from temptation, just flee yeah, and get, and get rid of it. And um, that's really the only thing that, that helped me to be honest. And I, I would like to say I was a strong person and, you know, got over it very quickly and changed my thought life. But really it wasn't until he was out of my life that my thoughts could change.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, and James one talks about that very thing that we're tempted and dragged away by our own evil desire, you know, and so this drastic event, you know, helped unhook you in a sense. But I'm guessing there was some recovery still to be done emotionally, um, mentally in your thought life, because when we are married there, the goal is intimacy on all four levels, physical intimacy, mental, intellectual intimacy. Um, emotional intimacy and spiritual intimacy, and I'm guessing that this, you know, this detour that you took in your mind wreaks some havoc on some of the intimacy development in your marriage. So, can you can you share with us a little bit about how you emotionally recovered from the pain of it being cut off? Because it feeds us, you know, when we have feelings for someone. You know it is a grieving process to let go of that, mm-hmm. and I think in the church or in Christian circles, because you know lustful thoughts or reconnecting somewhere other than your marriage is wrong, we we have this lie that we should minimize the grief and the loss that we feel after an emotional affair or a physical affair or something that's wrong, it's not okay to grieve it. And so we, we push it down. And sometimes we don't deal with it well, and it ends up bubbling up in other places and affecting our, our marriage relationship that we're trying to connect in. So can you talk about what that process looked like of moving back towards Scott and, and grieving what you'd chosen?
2: Right, it definitely was a grieving process, because this is the person I was relying on emotionally at the time. And After that, uh, Scott and I did, you know, obviously I had broken so much trust and our innocent trust that we had for the early years of our marriage was totally gone. Uh, But I think that the process of me confessing all the time, every time, that was building trust every time back into our marriage. And also at the same time, my husband went to the doctor and he got diagnosed with OCD and was able to get some... Uh, medicine to actually help him with that, just kind of calm him down. Uh, So the things that would cause him anxiety and uh, really come out as anger uh, were lessened. So our relationship began to improve in that respect. Um, and, And like I said, the trust issue was built back up after I actually was trustworthy and was confessing these things. But the biggest thing for me during this time is I totally leaned into God to finally, finally in my life fill all those emotional voids that I had. I learned so much about how much God loves me. For my whole life, I had believed that God loved me and what He had done for me. But I don't know that I I really understood how much He delighted in me Mm -hmm. and how beautiful He thought I was. I'm wonderfully made. And uh, I really began searching Scripture for that and finally began that more intimate relationship with God. And that's where I think it helped in— the grief is that yeah. God finally filled those holes that I had. And at that point I didn't need anybody else because at that mm-hmm. point I had learned that God could fulfill those desires that were in my heart and the, the empty spaces that I had. So Absolutely. to me, the grief really led me to God and he showed me the sin in my life that really this was rooted in. It was rooted in pride, um, you know, all the deception the thoughts that I had, that where I didn't believe that I was delighted in and loved by God, all of that was the healing process that
0: God took me through after this. And don't you think that's where our mud leads us? You know, it leads us to the end of ourselves. But we have to choose to see it. We have to choose to want to let God in, and we have to believe what His Word says that we are already enough because of Christ, mm-hmm. and His forgiveness is enough, and He wants to redeem and restore our bad choices and he wants to bring us to a place where we delight in him and where almost he could be our husband. I know that sounds kind of weird.
2: But yeah, and actually I talk about my book that I could never understand Paul's word where he talks about if you can be single, please be single. And I was like there's no way I could ever be single. Um and that sounds kind of weird, but after this I honestly could say that I love being married. I love my husband, but I can see that I don't need another person to fulfill my emotional desires Mm -hmm. that God really is enough.
0: And I think that is the absolute key. And it's a, it's a way of preventing ourselves from being vulnerable to emotional attachments and affairs, because it's in our thoughts that, that it all begins. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And if we can think on things, you know, if, if we're, obsessing about God's love for us and his word and spending time with him each and every day. I think for me, I I was very vulnerable, not only because of what was going on in my marriage, but because I wasn't choosing to stay connected with God. And I was very vulnerable. But the thing is, we don't realize that we're vulnerable. And that's my deepest desire for people today to know that, um, you know, you talked about pride and, and scripture talks about how, Pride is what precedes a fall. You know, believing that we aren't going to have that problem, that we aren't susceptible to that.
2: Well, I just always believed that I could handle it. That's what I told myself. Yeah. Like just because this was mm-hmm. just in my head and because, you know, we weren't really in front of each other, we weren't no big deal. You know, it wasn't physical. it was no big deal and mm-hmm. I can handle it. Like whatever comes, you know, I can handle. It. That was one thing. I mean, and the other thing I think that pride told me is uh, well, num- number one, the ego feeding. Of course, that's pride. Yes, of course. Um, but then also that I deserved it because my husband wasn't treating me exactly mm. the way I wanted. So, uh,
1: well, mm-hmm. it might Justification. be bad. Yep. Yeah,
2: it might be bad, but I deserve it if it, you know, because it's so good. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So huge key. lesson. Yeah. Well, I'm just so thankful that you have come today to transparently share your story. I'm giving so much thanks to God and His grace for, and and I will say for you and your choices. You chose to stop. You chose to be honest in that pivotal conversation. And I think it, it speaks to the fact that we have a lot more power over these sorts of things, then we really realize, but we can't do it alone. We need help vulnerable and transparent. And it is God's desire to save us from pain, not to ruin our fun and the thing that we, you know, feel like is feeding us so much emotionally.
2: Only through the power of the Holy spirit, because in my flesh, I did not want to do that. So I'm just so, I did make the decision, but I I do believe that, you know, he empowers me to do that, too, because he does want the good. And like I said, I had been, you know, so convicted for so many, you know, weeks and months. so Yeah, yeah, I'm just so thankful for that.
0: Yeah. Well, in closing, Amy, how can people find you online and. You know, I know you've written an ebook about this entitled Entangled. It's fantastic. I've read it. I think it's information at even a more deep level than we've just touched on today. So, you know, if this is a topic that people are struggling with, or maybe you're listening today and you don't think this is your issue at all, you thought think you have this all taken care of and buttoned up and it's not a problem, I would encourage you especially to, uh, to read Amy's words. But if you'll just tell us where we can find you online, a little bit about your ebook, and then any closing advice or admonition or encouragement you'd want to give to anybody who might be vulnerable to this or struggling today.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on my blog. That's the best place to get everything. amyjbennett.com. dot um, So that would be where you could find me. Um, I also have my podcast link there, the ebook linked there. So and feathers is on iTunes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's all there. Okay. Yeah. Just so, just in closing, there's a verse that really meant a lot to me writing the ebook, but I think it's so applicable to everybody, and that's uh, Hebrews twelve one and two where it tells us to let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Mm. And that's yes applicable to everybody. Like, this was my sin. You... Listener has some other kind of sin that needs to be thrown off, and just fix your eyes on Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Jesus, and He will uh, guide you. Even if you, you know, fall, He will be right there with you to pick you back up. He's so faithful, and that was one of the big things that I learned is just how faithful, you know, He is through all of our mess and all of our mud, that He will be with us.
0: Absolutely. Well, give us an update on how you and Scott are doing before we go, and I know you told us in the beginning, but. Um... You know, as you learn to reconnect, how has God shown up in that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so he has done lots of work with us. And I think as the two of us have aged and matured and just really leaned into our relationship with God, he's totally restored our marriage. We've just celebrated 17 years. Uh, this is not a thing that we struggle with at all these days. Um, You know, I I like to talk about it in forums like this, but in our marriage today, the trust is totally back. Uh, We definitely have guards in our marriage um, to protect us, but...
0: um, What are some of those guards you guys practice?
2: I I think, you know, no lunch by ourselves, particularly me that's in an office environment that I don't go out to eat with the opposite sex by myself. Um, We don't email after 10 o'clock at night and um, really... We notice these things and anytime we see any sort of relationship at all, friendship building with the opposite sex, we have our eyes wide open Mm -hmm. and really call each other out.
0: And I'm guessing total honesty, total transparency.
2: You know, after you've been through what we've been through, we do have that trust and willing to say the truth and know that they're still going to be with you. Yeah. So that's a benefit of going through something like this is that you know that you've you know, gone through the worst of the worst mm-hmm. and still survive. So it's a little bit easier to be transparent, I think.
0: And it helps empower you with any other adversity you're going to face as a couple because you've bonded together in in a unified front. And I'm sure as you experienced this last year of adoption, the skills that you learned in rebuilding have helped you you know they've helped be tools to help you manage what you've faced and what you'll continue to face in the future so mm-hmm. god has mm-hmm. done a beautiful thing yes but it's but you said yes you said yes to it so it's my prayer that whoever you are listening today whatever you're struggling with um if this is an issue for you or maybe it's something else for you to know that God is for you. He loves you no matter what you've done. And he is ready and willing to meet you right in the middle of your mess. So I'm so thankful you came, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jackie. All right. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, I'm so thankful Amy joined us today, and if you want to find any of the links mentioned in this episode, you can go over to JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 62, and they will all be there for you, including the link to Amy's ebook entitled Entangled. I think you're going to find if this topic resonated with you, if you want to learn more and to learn more strategies and tips on how to conquer emotional affair. I think this is an invaluable resource and I would encourage you to head over there and uh, take a look at purchasing her ebook. It is incredible. And so in closing, I want to share with you two things you can do to help this podcast grow and to help others learn more, not only about this topic, but about the series in general this month and also just being encouraged whatever mud they're facing. And so the first thing is if you want to subscribe to my posts, including the podcast and posts, you can do that by texting. And there's three different ways you can receive content. You can choose to receive an email each and every time I publish something, which this month is daily. You can choose to receive a weekly summary of all the posts that were done for this week, or you can choose to just sign up for some notes and newsletters from me, which I'll be planning to write in the near future. Just some insight and uh, inside information, pictures and updates that I won't be sharing on the normal blog or podcast. And so you can text the word subscribe mud stories with no spaces to the number 33444 and follow the directions there and you'll In no time be receiving not only regular updates, but you'll be getting a free PDF of my favorite resources for finding freedom from failure. And so I hope that blesses you. And I hope you take advantage of that if you want to not miss anything. Um, The second thing that I would love for you to do is subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. So if you have an iPhone or an Apple device, you just go to iTunes, which you can find this podcast by searching for Mud Stories. Mud Stories. Or you can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes and it'll take you right to my podcast page. But one of the things that we've been learning, we used to think that reviews and ratings would actually help iTunes show our podcast to more people so that they could discover our podcast and learn and grow and be uh, encouraged. But we're learning that it's actually new subscribers that help iTunes know to show our podcast to more people. And so if you, uh, you know, are willing to share this podcast with a friend, maybe text someone, email someone, forward this post to someone, in whatever way you can, just share with them this topic. I think... Particularly this month, this is a topic that we're not talking about enough. It's a place that we reside in our thoughts and our minds that we just don't mention to one another very much. And my hope is that this podcast, not only this series, but all the mud stories in general that are shared would be an amazing encouragement to whoever is facing adversity. Let's face it, we all are struggling with something, you know, and I think it's important not to compare whose mud is worse. I think it's just we face adversity, we face trials, we face suffering, no matter what it is. And we need to know that we're not alone. And so one of the ways that shame is shattered is by empathy. Brene Brown says that empathy is the antidote to shame. You know, shame being that feeling of I'm not good enough or who do I think I am. You know, when we hear that voice talking to us and we're feeling down and whatever we're facing is so difficult, the thing that shatters that is empathy. Empathy being that ability to sit with someone in their pain, to really understand what they're feeling, and to tell them, Me too. You're not alone. And so that's my prayer, what I hope that this Mud Stories podcast is for each and every one of you. Uh, It's my desire that you will be encouraged to know that God is with you. He is for you. He can redeem all things, no matter what you're facing. And I want you to know you're not alone. And so, uh, you know, one of the ways we can help spread the word about this podcast is if you would, number one, share it with someone in your real life tell a friend, text a friend, email a friend. And number two, if you will go to iTunes and push the subscribe button for this podcast, that way you'll not only get the updates in your iTunes each and every time I release an episode, but it will tell iTunes, hey, we want you to show this to more people so that they can be encouraged and so that they can know that God loves them and there's hope for them and that they're not alone. And so I Appreciate, and I'm so thankful for your partnership in that, and um, for all of you who've sent me emails and encouraging notes, and and who are with me and for me as I share this risky and vulnerable topic. I can't say thank you enough, and I'm doing my best to respond to each and every one of you, uh, you know, in a timely manner. Although I'm begging grace as I try to get through the list, but uh, yeah, I'd love to hear. From you, whether it's by email, voicemail, uh, or through social media, whatever, in whatever way you want to reach out. I'm so So very thankful and appreciative of your time today, no matter what you are doing, for spending time with me here. And I'm looking forward to this month continuing to explore this topic. You guys are not going to want to miss my guests next week. They have an incredible redemption story of um, adversity and an affair and a divorce and just all kinds of mud that they went through. And I cannot wait for you to hear them. And so whatever you're facing today no matter what your mud looks like, let's give thanks for what we can. Let's look for the little ways that we can have gratitude, no matter what it looks like in front of you, no matter what mud you faced in the past, and no matter what lies ahead. May we find together a grateful song to sing. I'll see you next week. Have a beautiful day.
1: Never in you, mother feels a press upon my mind, a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the plane, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. Feels a press upon my mind a pull of shape that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. see floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song.